Welcome to Moving Upstream, a podcast by Prevention Institute in Oakland, California. Each episode, we look closely at a health or equity issue in the news to understand how we got here and to find a healthier, more equitable way forward. Today, we're talking about parks and health equity. There was an exciting park equity victory in Los Angeles in March that's going to bring millions of dollars every year to parks and open spaces in low-income and people-of-color neighborhoods. I'm joined by my Prevention Institute colleague, Elva Yanez, who is very involved with the LA Park campaign, and she's going to tell us about it and help us understand how it might be able to be replicated in other cities and counties anywhere in the country. Welcome, Elva. Thank you, Andrea. Great to be here. So, Elva, I was just mentioning this big victory in Los Angeles in March. Can you tell us about what happened? On March 5th, 2019, the L.A. Board of Supervisors, which was acting in their capacity as the board of the Regional Parks and Open Space District, approved funding guidelines for Measure A, which is called the Safe, Clean Neighborhood Parks and Beaches Measures of 2016. As a result of this, approximately $22 million per year will be dedicated to eliminating park inequities in high-need communities, which are primarily low-income Latino and Black neighborhoods throughout the county in perpetuity. Can you talk about why parks are important for health? Parks provide a number of health benefits as well as social and environmental benefits. Just one example, people who have safe access to parks and other green space are more likely to get the exercise they need to maintain good health. In terms of other benefits, social cohesion, childhood development, jobs and workforce development, and reduced crime and violence are some of those social benefits that I was talking about. And then from an environmental standpoint, parks provide a number of different benefits. So now we've got the connection between parks and health. You and I have both used the term park equity. So explain what park equity means. Fully 45% of LA County communities are park poor, meaning that they don't have enough park space or that their park amenities are not up to par. That's huge. LA has always been sort of notorious for being one of the most park poor large cities, and that extends throughout the county as well. Elva, how did this work get started? Measure A is a parcel tax. That parcel tax is going to generate approximately $92 million per year in perpetuity. There is no sunset on it. There are different funding programs within that expenditure plan. The local return, where the tax money goes back to the community proportionately, as well as, which was very important to the equity aspect of this measure, a set-aside for the high and very high park needs in L.A. County that were determined by a needs assessment that was conducted prior to the placement of Measure A on the ballot. The measure was voted on in November 2016 with the support of 76% of the electorate, which is very high. We require a two-thirds vote here in California, so it was way beyond what we absolutely needed. And we interpreted that vote to mean people wanted to have an equity-driven or a need-based 
funding measures so that those park poor areas of the county could come back up to a, a more equitable level with low park need areas. I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about the community outreach and engagement process because I know you were involved in that and I know that it is something that city agencies grapple with when they're trying to figure out what's needed in different communities. So how did we do that outreach and engagement process? Well, we were a piece in a much larger process and our role was to do a more community-driven approach to turning people out for the needs assessment process. And we were able to create a partnership essentially between the County Department of Parks and Recreation and seven community-based organizations that would go and do deep community engagement in those very high need areas. Those seven groups worked in 10 communities across the counties, very large. And it was a really exciting effort because we were able to, through some regional trainings in advance of their outreach efforts, really sort of establish the relationship between parks, health, and equity. And was it difficult for the community organizations that you worked with to get people in neighborhoods to engage about park issues? Well, what's really important about our PI's collaborative community engagement process is that those partnerships are with groups that are well-respected, long-standing groups that do community engagement on a daily basis as part of their work, whether it's their advocacy organizations or education organizations, and work on any variety of issues that sort of fall under the umbrella of the built environment and social determinants of health. These are groups that either were working in a, on environmental justice issues or park development issues or simply social justice in a low-income community of color. So there was a, a wide range, but all of them have the skill set to effectively reach and engage community members on their own terms, just meet them where they're at, so that the education on parks, health, and equity really tied into their basic needs. And when we make the linkages between issues like park deficits and good health, people automatically get it. It's very intuitive. There's not a lot of connecting of the dots. People understand that parks are essential community infrastructure, and it's essential because it helps keep communities healthy from a prevention standpoint. Since our audience is people who are very involved in issues of equity already. I'm wondering if there's anything you want to tell them about challenges that came up throughout this process, whether with the needs assessment, whether with the engagement process, or the development of Measure A or the passage of Measure A. Well, I think just based upon the, the needs assessment, there had to have been some sort of equity set aside off the top. But as we got into the reality that there were, there's going to be a lot of money handed out in a, over the course of the future, the type of opposition that we encountered started to emerge and, and become clearer than uh, ever before. And that was really the opposition that we faced wasn't a big tobacco or a big soda. It was really the status quo. 
and the status quo being money for parks and open space have for many generations been handed out in a typical fashion or in a regular standardized fashion where the money was going to less urbanized areas, more open space areas, which intensified the park inequities that we're dealing with now in low income, highly urbanized communities, predominantly populated by low income individuals, communities of color, people of color, African American Latinos. So the way the status quo played itself out as a form of opposition was that we were challenging traditional ways of allocating park and open space resources. Instead of funding the more open space areas of the county on the sort of the urban fringe, we're really saying, let's invest in those areas that have not for generations received the adequate resources to be able to not only improve the park resources and infrastructure that they have, but to create new park and open space infrastructure using a variety of different strategies, including programming. Since a lot of times, really what people need is not necessarily new park space, but improved programming to improve health of park users. In the end, Measure A was passed by LA County voters, and this happened a few years ago, right? 2016. Okay, so it's 2019, and we're talking about this today. So what came up that we had to be working on this again in 2019? The funding guidelines for the competitive grant-making programs, uh, which is a, a pretty big chunk of the revenue, needed to be articulated and codified. And so they went through a over one-year process to establish those funding guidelines. There was a steering committee, a lot of public input. So that was very time-consuming. The guidelines themselves were finalized, I think, last September, but just through the usual delays, it didn't get addressed until March. That really was taking a lot of time. What might it have looked like if the implementation guidelines that the county developed hadn't been amended recently to address park inequities? What we were asking for was a 30% set aside of competitive park funds for high-need communities. The way the provisions was worded would have meant that not only would parks located in high-need communities would have been eligible for those funds, but also parks that serve those communities and could be located in low park need areas. In other words, funding new infrastructure in areas that are primarily open space areas and bringing people from high need areas in to benefit from those amenities. And this is a very critical distinction to understand because the, the health benefits I described earlier are primarily achieved when those park amenities are located in a high-need community. The fight for language, as it were, to make sure that the 30% set aside of competitive funds was exclusively for parks located in high-need communities was critically important to achieving the health benefits that I've been talking about earlier, 
as well as reducing park inequities in these same communities. Location really matters when it comes to uh, the benefits of park. People who live within walking distance, which is usually considered 10-minute walk, have much better likelihood of um, benefiting from the physical and health aspects of that proximate open space or park facility. Elva, what could a successful park equity strategy look like according to this LA model? So for other communities that want to do this work, you really need to tap into the very uh, well-established network of park and open space folks who regularly move forward park funding measures, whether it's at the city, county, or state level, and move forward a process of educating your allies on the importance of increasing park equity and having some sort of set-aside or funding pot within the, the measure, whether it's a tax measure, parcel measure, an assessment. So that set-aside really is dedicated to addressing park inequities in your jurisdiction. Data is critically important. You have to be able to use best practices and GIS analysis to demonstrate where those inequities are. And those methodologies are pretty much best practices these days. Los Angeles' need assessment provided a great methodology. And then community engagement. Those communities who have not benefited from the park amenities in that jurisdiction are your primary targets to find out what they need in their communities that would inform the expenditure plan that you'd be moving forward with that equity set aside. Community engagement should be happening throughout all manner of park decision making. And that's an area that really hasn't been done well by jurisdictions across the country. It's sort of a new thing for parks and, and open space districts to really focus on that. And then from a advocacy standpoint, groups that work on quality of life issues, on social justice issues, economic or environmental justice issues, really can come together and start building their own capacity by looking at some of the examples that are coming out of Los Angeles and elsewhere on how to integrate park deficits to health and equity issues, because that intersection is really critical for providing the rationale for making those set-asides, for doing the community engagement and building that infrastructure in those communities. So it's a whole set of strategies that really require a grounding in community institutions. I talk about it as building community capacity and the social infrastructure to move it forward. So you can't depend upon traditional agencies to have the capacity to, to do this work. Capacity needs to be built both in the community institutions as well as the agency staff. This has been really interesting, and I hope that it's given some ideas to people who are listening about what they might do in their own communities. Is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know before we end our podcast today? I would just say for me personally, 
increasing the amount of park space and creating equitable access to that park space is some of the most gratifying work I've done in my career. Parks and open space are essential community infrastructure, and it's so easy to build that support because of those conditions that you're starting with. And people just love this work. Uh, People are very committed. It's very easy to get community residents from those high-need areas mobilized, and that was done very successfully with Measure A, with the support of many organizing groups throughout the region. Thanks so much for spending this time with us, Alva. And thanks to our audience for joining us for this episode of Moving Upstream. To learn more about today's show and about park equity, visit our website at preventioninstitute.org. And we'd love to hear your ideas and feedback about this podcast. Find us on Twitter. We're at Prevention Inst. That's Prevention, I-N-S-T.